1: This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen
0: to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk about Monday Night Raw from last night. The good, the bad and the Lana as she goes through another table last night on Raw. Also, we get into the current releases from the WWE due to the COVID situation and the live event situation where there are no live events right now for the WWE. We talk about the future and the possibility of there being no live events at all, even when we're past this current covid situation all that right now on the busted open podcast bully you hit the nail on the head man when you're investing 3 hours into something you, what you're trying to do is all right, entertain me show me something please like get me invested i don't want to like i don't want to hate watch this show i don't want to get angry i'm really trying to find something to latch on perfect example bully is our show yesterday I was giddy getting into that show because we had such a wonderful weekend of wrestling. You know, between SmackDown on Friday, where you had that amazing match between Sasha and Bailey, and then everything that's going on with Jey Uso and Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman, even some of the smaller stuff that's going on in the show that kind of flies under the radar a little bit. I'm interested. The commentating on SmackDown on Fridays is, I think, very, very good. Corey Graves and and Michael Cole really have some chemistry going and. You know, for a lot of times, Cole is underappreciated, and I think he's been doing a phenomenal job on SmackDown. And, you know, Full Gear, you know, Full Gear was three hours and 40 minutes, and I felt like you could have told me that show was two hours and I would have believed you because it was so good and it was so entertaining that the time just flew. And we were all excited when we came on the air yesterday. You take Mike Bully, when you watch... You take notes about certain things that happened in the match that, hey, I want to bring this up on the air with Legreca and the Nation. Guess what? I took no notes last night. Want to know why?
1: Why? I didn't care. I, they did not make me care last night. I'm serious. I, I, I'm saying at the end of the show last night, I'm like, how come I care after NXT? How come I care after SmackDown? How come I genuinely enjoy talking about those shows? I'm not even bringing AEW into the mix because we're talking strictly WWE here. Yes. I walk away with a definitively different feeling after Monday Night Raw. As if a complete different crew was writing that show. Like, if you told me, oh, well, it's the same people on NXT and SmackDown. I said, oh, yeah, I could believe that because when I step away from those shows, I find myself entertained. I'm like, wow, I can't wait to talk about this or this was really cool. Nope. What? You want to talk about Ali and Ricochet? Okay, we could spend five minutes on it. Big deal. I didn't take any, like nothing, nothing motivated me. Nothing stirred anything up in me to write anything down. I'm not saying it was a bad show. It was probably a very average show. Nothing resonated with me. It's hard for stuff to resonate when things on other shows resonate so well. Like I could pick stuff off the top of my head on NXT and SmackDown that resonates so well. And then I watch Raw and I'm like, what, what, what,
0: why, why, what's going on here? And that's the thing. Like when I brought up about you taking notes, like you take notes about specific things that happen in a match that you want to bring up the next day. But like you perfect, you know, when we were talking about full gear or even SmackDown, and SmackDown was from Friday, and here we are on a Monday morning before the show, and we're kind of, and and bully. You're like, hey, hey, Legrec I really like this, 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 and this. From yeah, I really like this, 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 and this. You remember pretty much everything that takes place, and you're showing me. But you, rem- but even without your notes, you remember the matches. You remember the segments on SmackDown. You remember the matches that took place. Bully, when you and I talk on a Tuesday morning. Like what happened here? What was that? What 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 started off hour two? What was what was the main event again? Like you forget in in like an eight hour period what actually took place that you were sitting and watching for three hours because it's not grabbing you. I mean, like, and again, I want to hear from the nation because maybe they could talk me off the ledge a little bit. Elias, you know what? Elias gives me a little chuckle that joke has been a running joke now for how long two years it's it's been the same thing hi i'm elias Ring. and he tries to start the song and somebody interrupts that's been going on for two years now like lana you actually got me like curious with the lana like how many times we talk about it? how many times is she going to get put through a table now it's like you have Nia Jax and Asuka in the ring wrestling. Think about that. Asuka, your Raw Women's Champion, and Nia Jax, and that is just background fodder because the whole focus is if Lana's going to go through a table now for an eighth time. Think about what you
1: just said. Asuka is background fodder. Yep. Asuka.
0: Ridiculous. She's, she's one of the best wrestlers in the WWE. She's your Raw Women's Champion and the whole focus on that entire segment was is is Lana going to go through a table for the eighth time. And they have the clock. Now. So now it's not funny anymore. Like something that was kind of like, "Oh, this is funny." Like how it, now it's now they make it not funny. Because it's just like the 24/7 championship. All our right, R-Truth, definitely, he's entertaining. Drew Gulak has actually become quite funny and entertaining. But it's the same thing every week. It's the same joke ongoing and ongoing. Like, I'm sorry, but if, uh, if a stand-up comedian tells a joke and I laugh out loud, after seeing that same joke and hearing it for two, three years, it ceases to be funny anymore. It's the same thing week in and week out. I am, I, like, I, bully. It's just, it's not entertaining to me, and it's a waste of talent. I almost feel like it's a waste. Even with Survivor Series coming up, Survivor Series, like, like my wife is right. Four out of the five members of Team Raw were on SmackDown a month ago. Now all of a sudden they're brand loyal, and they've been they've been on the show for a month and they're that brand loyal, and the bickering between all four and the stupid name-calling and the jokes about who's going to be a cap- captain. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Who gives a shit?
1: I, I, I think the best part to come out of last night were the code names, because today we're going to have some phone fun with code names. We're going to come up with code names for ourselves. we will let the nation come up with code names for us. That'll be the show today. What are our code names? Uh, like...
0: They call Seamus Fireface, and like they're all like, hey, I kind of do look like Fireface. Ha ha, Fireface. Fireface. Well, you're the best. Well, you're dopey. Uh, Fucking dopey?
1: Uh, what is this, a Disney he'll, he'll, movie? No, let me explain that one. We called him dopey because he likes to smoke a lot of dope. <laughs> That's why dopey. Don't you get uh, it? Well, how how <laughs>
0: did you know?
1: <laughs> yeah bro Kobe, don't I got it. We'll call him fireface ha <laughs> His face and well, it looks like it's on fire Oh <laughs> uh, that'll be great boss. This is going to And be then Braun tells him, "You're not my captain." Get it? It'll be like politics. You're not my president. Ah, ah, ah. Get it? Get it?
0: I'll be back in an hour. <laughs> back. Get it? Get it? <laughs> All right. All right. All right. I I I hate I I hate doing this every Tuesday, but you know, a little bit of raw rehab, you know, what did you think of the show? Like again, got a really good match between <laughs> Mustafa Ali, who, by the way, maybe people should tell, you know, Tom Phillips and Byron Saxon, like what his name is because everybody completely gets his name wrong. But Mustafa. Uh, yeah, M-
1: Mustafa. No, that's a planet. In- and <laughs> 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 No, that's from cats. Mustafa. No, that's from Star Wars.
0: The only one who gets it right is Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe is the only one who knows what his name is. Mephisto. It's unbelievable to me.
1: Mephisto. <laughs>
0: and, 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 and Ricochet was great, though. Ricochet sacrificed himself to knock Retribution. You know, they you know didn't want Retribution to come into the ring. But that was a really good match.
1: Um, I didn't think, I, I thought Hardy, Elias, and Riddle was decent
0: to open the show. It's okay. And, and, yeah, there, and there Randy some, Orton is some... awesome. Randy oh, Orton. Yeah. And the Drew McIntyre-Sheamus is kind of interesting, too. They just don't have enough to fill three hours. Like, I just, I, I'm done, done, done with I, I,
1: I, I'd like to see them move on from Orton and Drew. That's just me personally. That's just me personally. I've seen enough interaction from them. Storyline-wise, I don't know what they're still, like, you know. Or or whatever story they are telling, just I'm not, I'm just not into it. Remember, this is not about the performers or how the performers are playing out the stories that are written. It's about the stories. It's about it's about the verbiage. And also, despite how great a Randy Orton might be on the microphone. When you're getting microphone work from an Eddie Kingston, it reminds you how great wrestling can be yeah. when you just let the talent be talented. So then you hear the
0: canned promos again, and you're like, eh. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke in the back. It's, it's, it's painful to listen to like painful to listen to because it's uh, like dana brooke actually stopped like mid-sentence because she's trying to remember what the next word is and there's on the script for a promo uh, maya the 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 mandy and and
1: dana brooke at the announce desk even like they don't it's like they don't know when to talk they don't know what to say it's, it's as if the red light goes on and they become deers in the headlights for a second, and I don't know why, especially with Dana. It's like, Dana, come on. You haven't been on TV in a long time. Go get him, girl. Go grab somebody by jugular. Get yourself over. And then to see Mandy and Dana standing face-to-face with Nia and Shayna, and Nia and Shayna kind of, like, backing down a little bit, like yeah. Shayna Baszler, one of the most legit badasses that 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 there is is backing down naya who's the biggest woman in the company and they're like no 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 let's not do this now because they might get some of their mascara on us because they're sure as hell not going to beat the shit out of those two girls and 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 those two girls playing chicken shit heels and backing down sorry yeah. i don't buy it i don't buy it at all they
0: should have looked at the two of those girls and punched them square in their faces yeah, I mean, and that's where you got to know again. Like we talk about with a sports team, you put your superstars in a position to win. Miz chicken shit, chicken shit heel. You want to have Miz cheat and have to go through everything that he's able to do in order to win a match? I'm buying. Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, Shayna Baszler, who is probably the most credible ass kicker in the entire organization, is backing down to Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. Are you kidding me? Come on now, come on, and you know what? it
1: It goes beyond the realm of believability. I cannot suspend my disbelief long enough, or enough at all, to believe in that.
0: Hey everybody, this is Fran Fraschella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic tries it in to make it, somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen from the jaws of defeat episodes are available every thursday on the sirius app pandora and apple podcasts there's not a lot of depth to a lot of the characters and personalities that we see on monday night raw they have three hours to flush out those characters and really make them real they choose not to they choose slapstick over reality but not when it comes to randy orton and i'm so glad that they didn't do the typical heel move when it comes out that they find out they have a championship match and they have to defend that title. You usually see, like, the heel be like, no. Like, you see fear in the face of the heel. Like, oh, no, now I got to go after that big baby face and I got I to defend this title. That wasn't Randy Orton last night. Randy Orton was more pissed off, like, who the fuck are you to tell me that I got to defend my title next week? Have some he had some have some fucking balls, man. And you saw that from Randy Orton last night. Randy Orton, he was spitting reality to Drew, to the Miz. Cause he's right in everything he said. And then Adam Pierce comes out and he's like, you gotta defend that. Hey, I'm the messenger here, but you gotta defend that title. And Randy Orton's like, what? And he wasn't like he wasn't afraid to go up against Drew McIntyre. He's done it before, he's done it successfully. It was almost like, who the hell are you to tell me that I gotta defend my title? Really, I mean, for all the things that Raw does wrong, that was definitely something, bullied that they did right
1: last night. Orton was on fire. Yep. Great promo, great delivery, great tone, great inflection, made me believe. I'm just at the point where I'm, I've i seen enough of Randy and Drew. That's just my own personal opinion. But I'm not taking away from their performances. I enjoyed Drew in the back with Sheamus last night. Yes, I really dug that. I really dug Orton's promo. These were the little bright spots in the three hours. Yes. Little bright spots of a big three-hour show. So, yeah, I mean, Randy's... Randy's promo, and Randy didn't really have anybody to, pl- uh, Randy to me did not have like an edge to play off of last night or um, any any anybody like that. I thought Randy did really well on his own last night with his verbiage.
0: I agree, and like seeing Miz, and Miz is somebody that's fantastic on the microphone. But Miz right now, I'm sorry, I'm not connecting yeah. with him. He he's taken a step backwards being with John Morrison, and this is not. I've a never been, to I've John never Morrison. been a fan
1: of that duo. Yeah, never. It's
0: taking it a step. When he's doing Morrison saying things again, like when Morrison talks talk about canned. Oh my goodness! But like Miz, say, correct. Like I, uh, I we graduated from that Miz. I don't want to see that from you anymore. That's so seven years ago. That's so eight years ago. Like, I want to see some of the fire that we saw from the Miz in that feud with Daniel Bryan. That's that's what I want to see. from. I, I, the, he's taken, to me, being with John Morrison, he's taken a step backwards. If I could can,
1: put in a can, if I could bottle what version of the Miz I want, What'd you just say about uh, him with Daniel Bryan? Remember yep. that episode of Talking Smack? Yep. With The Miz and Daniel Bryan? That's The Miz I want. Give me that version. Let The Miz go. Let The Miz go like AEW lets some people go. You, you can get fire out of The Miz. Very witty, very creative, and can put some bass in his voice. And speak some truths and get some heat. Next to Morrison, though, it's just like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I nev- I, I've i never been on board with them. Listen, Morrison looks phenomenal, hell of an athlete, yada, yada, all that happy horse shit. I'm just not a fan of them together.
0: Yeah, never I like, have been. i I liked it in 2008. I liked it, you know, that's that's 12 years ago now, Bully. 12 years! I want to see The Miz where, hey man, guys like Randy Orton disrespected me, threw me out of the locker room, said I didn't have what it takes. But I've main evented WrestleMania. I've held ch- every single championship that there is in the WWE. When it's all said and done, I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer. And nobody here believed in me. And I did it. Why are you going back to The Miz that those people disrespected makes no sense to me he's got the briefcase now the next thing is him cashing in they're doing everything that they can to make me believe that the miz we see in 2020 cannot successfully cash in on th- with that briefcase this is where i go back to what i said at the top of the show i don't care
1: not like I don't care. Like I'm being a jerk. Where eh, I don't care. I'm gonna hate watch or cancel culture or any of that punk ass stuff. I don't care because I have no emotion towards these people. I lack emotional investment. And if any higher up from the WWE was listening right now, as they always do, or any any of the boys were listening right now, as they always do. I lack emotional investment that's what this entire industry is built on whether you are emotionally investing in a character a story or even a move because you can't emotionally invest in a wrestling move Dave think about it a super kicks a super kick elicits an emotion right yep so I'm just not emotionally invested in in a lot of the things that I'm seeing on Raw, You're not making me care. And, and that, that that's what you have to make fans do. You have to make them care. I'm not watching this show as Bully Ray or Bubba Ray, the analyst. I'm watching it as Mark, the wrestling fan. That's how I watch first. And then I try to come on the show, say I like this, I like this as a fan, but as a professional, here's where they could tighten the screws. and so hear what I would have done better, I don't give a rat's ass. Why do I give more of a damn about Rhea Ripley than I do people on Raw? Why do I give a damn more about Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae than I do on Raw? Why do I care about Shotzi? Bly- oh, by the way, we owe the we owe uh, Shotzi an apology. Why is that? because i we got hit on twitter last we 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 were like uh we were like uh why does she care about that tank being run over remember last week yeah i guess she had family in the military so the tank had to do with her family's military uh um Connection or something like that. Now, I don't think, I don't remember when that story was told, but I guess the tank had some kind of a meeting to Shotzi. That's why she was having an emotional breakdown.
0: Yeah. And I, and I even explained that there is, there is things that why she cares about that. I just thought the, the emotion that she showed was, was too over the top.
1: Yes. Yeah. We went down. I just wanted to get that out there. But why do I, why do I, why do I care more about Otis? Because they make me care. But then wait, but that's the other thing that's frustrating Listen, listen, Ali and Ricochet, you know what I cared about last night? I cared that they had a good match. As of this morning, I don't care anymore. You you want me to, okay, Ali, oh, Ali, you know, he's such a good guy and he was the Chicago cop and his story this and blah, blah, blah. So what? You haven't told me that on TV. You tell me that on TV. You tell me how nice of a guy Ali is on TV. What a great human being he is on TV. How he was a cop, blah blah blah,
0: family man. This is. I care more about that than I do this retribution dog shit. It is, and I'm glad that you said it's dog shit because I think now we can finally agree it's dog shit.
1: It's not. It is what it is. When I call it dog shit, I'm saying it from like the uh, uh, like the pro wrestler. Like I know it's capable of so much more. Well, and that just it. is what it is. You I were, can,
0: if I say it, it's one thing. If you say it, it's different. Well, but but I would say it, Bully, and I would say, I don't get it. It's not going anywhere. And you would give reasons. Like, but they can do this. They could do I, this. Now you're out of, like, they can do this. Now, could they still do something? Sure. Because sure. Sure. it's pro
1: wrestling, and yeah. the people carry pencils, yeah. and you can change anything and write anything. I thought, the, I thought the reasoning that Ali gave for the names was halfway
0: decent. Halfway, even even the excuse of Ricochet. All right, you know what? Like he's he's on his own. He he was honorable, turning down the hurt business. But like you need us, okay? So this, I guess it could turn out to you know uh, Ricochet being a part of retribution. Okay, they've never made me care about Ricochet to begin with. Again, they it's there's no depth to any of these personalities and characters to get me to care. Dave, every once
1: in a while, I have a, a Raw on, and I, I might be doing something else. Not that I have Raw on in the background. I'm paying attention to Raw, yeah. but I'm doing something else. I'm begging them to do something that makes me pick my head up or perk my ears up. Last night, I'm parked in front of the TV and they did everything that they possibly could to make me walk away from my TV. Hey everyone, this is Nicole Auerbach and I want to invite you inside The Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple
0: Podcasts. And yeah, once again, Lana goes to a table, Bully. Um, you said early on you're probably going to see this happening to Lana, uh, and they're going to get her to be the biggest baby face because people are going to get behind her. But now it's been over two months. It's been over two months now, that Nia has been putting Alana through a table. I got a few questions maybe you could answer. One is why. Why is Nia continuously putting Alana through a table? Uh, And two, like, is enough enough? And three, once WWE gets in on the joke, because they're a little late to the game, like there'll be a joke and then they'll finally get the joke and then they'll run that joke into the ground. Will it ever end?
1: Hopefully the payoff happens at Survivor Series or maybe the Monday Night Raw after Survivor Series where Lana finally finds a way to put Naya through a table. That's going to be the payoff, the receipt. You got to build to it. How they get there, I'm not quite sure because I don't think Lana is going to be able to uh, Samoan drop Naya through a table. So it's got to be something uh it feels like they've jumped the shark a little bit like you said they're in on the joke it is uh, once again it is what it is like when that bell rang last night and Shayna Baszler delivered her knee straight to lana's gut like to me that match should have been over right there it's Shayna fucking Baszler. she just drove her knee into a barbie doll's guts and when I say when I call Lana a Barbie doll I don't mean that in a bad way I mean that that's like her char- like her character despite the fact that Lana tries to get better in the ring and she does take steps forward believe it or not folks Lana is a freaking trooper. She is a warrior. She is a professional. I have not seen her go out there once and not try her absolute damnedest to do her very best with what she's been given. I don't see her boo-boo facing. I don't see her sandbagging. I don't see her doing anything than 100% of her God-given talent and ability to make sure this works. She's still a Barbie doll in the ring. As compared to Shayna Baszler. Shayna did the stomping thing to to Lana's arm. I mean, her arm should be snapped in half. Uh, Hopefully it's a great payoff. I, I don't like the way Shayna Baszler is presented. I don't like the way not I don't I don't like the way Shayna is presented because Shayna is a legit killer. Yeah, I don't like the way Nia is presented because Nia has now put Lana through a table eight weeks in a row and it seems to do absolutely nothing. The world of pro wrestling that I come from, if you get put through a table, you might be selling it the next week or, may, you know, maybe something. Maybe we could see something taped up or bandaged because it doesn't look like Lana has gotten hurt at all from being put through
0: a table. No. The only thing that they showed, like, last night was she's a little fearful, like she was a little, you know, scared coming down the entrance ramp. But you're right. There's nothing taped. She's not selling any anything that- at all. They are watering down
1: the announce table just as much as certain talents water down super kicks, Canadian destroyers, and uh, acai moonsaults. It's like, come on already. But they'll build up to the payoff. Yeah, I just don't Lana, know what the payoff
0: is going to be.
1: <laughs> you will go to the Degaba system, to the Dudleyville section of Dagaba. There you will seek out Devon. He will help you with the tables.
0: That See, was my that, Obi-Wan impersonation. That is actually something that would be interesting. Yeah, if no Lana... shit. Lana should call the Dudleys
1: for help. And when I'm talking about, I'm, I'm detaching now. I'm not like, oh, I want to get on TV. If, if Lana's having problems putting scene through tables, she should go in the back and find Devon. Why wouldn't she? Makes sense to me. It actually hell would be a, yeah. a
0: storyline if they did.
1: Hell yeah. It's right there. I don't care that Devon's an agent or a producer back there. Lana should find Devon. At Survivor Series, Devon should help Lana put Nia Jax to a table. It works. It's fun. It makes sense. Could you imagine Lana doing Devon get the tables?
0: It would be amazing. That'd be a good payoff.
1: Could you, could you imagine? Listen, yeah, I'll do this off the top of my head. Something happens in a match, blah, 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 where not, where, uh, uh, so the, the, the payoff is somehow Naya gets bumped and Lana holds open, uh, Naya's legs. Devon does the what's up to Naya, gets up, does his dance. Lana does Devon get the tables. They bring in a table and Devon helps Lana put Naya through a table. Why not? Love it.
0: It's entertaining as all hell. It and works. Least, it makes sense. And at least there's a payoff to it. Like, I, I you know, like you said, Lana's not going to pick up Nia Jax and Samoa drop, Samoan dropper. That's not going to happen. So there needs to be some kind of payoff here. And, like, it's got to happen at Survivor Series, too, because this is going on for way too long. So it's got to happen at Survivor Series. We'll see.
1: Listen, Let's see what happens. That's what I would do. If I had the pencil in my hand, that's what I would do. Or you bring if it's a one shot deal, you bring back both Dudleys for one night, so they both help her. It's a little feel good moment.
0: I like that too. Ed Robinson said you could have like a Rocky Four, like you know, typical eighties montage of Devon teaching Lana how to put people through tables. Absolutely, it could start out small. It could start out small, like like a a doll. You put a doll through a through a table. Oh, the backstage
1: classroom, he's got the chalkboard showing her how, the t- how you undo the table, how you put the table up, put a person, you start with a dummy, maybe a doll, and you move up to another person. And you got to measure out the table. Th- that's like, not yeah, fair. You know, Don't like- call Devon a dummy, Ed. He's, he's kind of yeah, smart. That's fucked up, Ed. That's, but you know what? Hey, come like, on. I mean,
0: you know, I mean, geez Louise, Ed. I mean, come on, he's a hall of famer for crying out loud. You've been, you've been two been times on been on the show two for times. a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then like you take the t- you take the table out, you measure it out, yeah, you measure, you check the wind to make sure yeah. that you have the navigational tools right to put her through the table. Perfect. Freaking Ed Robinson, man.
1: You get the, the Rusev action chair. figure, you put the Rusev <laughs> action figure through the table. There you go. Put her in a oh, pair of glasses. Boom. Maybe Drew Gulak can be the test dummy. Make him the dummy. Or, uh, <laughs> Lana takes the Jericho action figure, puts it through a table, then yells at the action figure, "Stop giving my husband bad advice!
0: Stop telling th- him what to say!" How do you What do you think uh Jericho did for his 50th birthday? Like how does a Chris Jericho celebrate 50 years on this earth? Just got
1: wonder. to a bottle, got to the bottom of
0: a bottle of Grey Goose. <laughs> Unfortunately, going into Raw last night, Bully, and this is obviously something that, you know, the country is going through right now. And with this pandemic is probably the big news going into even before Raw hit the air was about the layoffs that took place in the WWE. And it's unfortunate, obviously, with, you know. Chimel, somebody who's been with the company for gosh since 1991, lost his job. It's a sad, it's a sad state of affairs, but it's it's hard when you see, especially names that have been attached for the WWE that long, no longer being with the company. Uh, yeah, it's always difficult.
1: Uh, Chimel was a great dude. Uh, always got along with him. Always happy. Always smiling. Um, always having a blast, used to play cards with him on the flights overseas. Uh, good dude Tony is, so uh, best of luck to him.
0: Yeah, and it, and unfortunately, Bully, like a lot of the layoffs that you've seen from the WWE have to do with the fact that there is no longer live events. You know, Tony Chemo was somebody that did the ring announcing for a lot of the live events, did a lot of production for the live events. As well, I mean, a lot of people are saying, "Hey, you know, the quarterly, you know, the, the stock is doing well. Uh, the uh, the bottom line for the WWE is is good. They had a, a, a conference call not too long ago, and they said that the last quarter was good, and, and projections for this quarter look good, even during the pandemic. But unfortunately, people that are connected to these live events, bully. It's it's tough. Well. Let, let, let's look at it this way. There,
1: there. Here's two names that, uh, that I know were released: Tony Chimmel, Tony Chimmel, and Derek Castleman. Tony Chimmel was in charge of the ring crew on the live events and coordinating and scheduling on live events. And Derek was in charge of merchandising on live events. When did they get let go? They just got let go. How long Eight has the WW How long has the WWE not been doing live events for? Eight months now. So Vince kept them around for eight months while their jobs were basically obsolete due to the pandemic. I, I, that's why, I, I mean, they, th- those guys were specifically on the road. That's what they handled. There is no road anymore. So maybe it's a case of, all right, I'm going to let you go now. Hopefully when things get back up and running, we'll bring you back. So I look at it as Vince taking care of these guys for a while.
0: Yeah, and the other thing too, bully is as of right now we don't know when there's going to be live events again. Like, you know, when this pandemic first hit, you know, a lot of us were thinking, you know, you know, a month, a couple months, and then it got longer and longer. And then, you know, over the summer, it seemed like things were kind of opening up a little bit again. There's some optimism, and then right now the numbers have skyrocketed again. So. The the, the thing of it is, unfortunately, if you're looking at live events across the board, but especially the WWE, AEW doesn't have live events. You know, AEW, it's all their TV show production. So people that are connected with their TV production were the same people that were going on the road and doing their production. Not the same when it comes to the WWE. There's no – really, honestly, right now – there's really no light at the end of the tunnel. And even when things do open up again, and who knows when that's going to happen, who knows when it's going to be the right time to go back on the road. Every state seems to be different with their regulations, too. It's a tough thing to gauge. And I'm sure that somebody like Tony chimble once things do open up again, like you said, will probably be welcome back into the fold.
1: And I I think, you know, with Florida being open, I'll, you know, listen, we saw AEW go to 1,000 people. I think as the days go on, you might see things open a little bit more. It'll be interesting to see how long WWE stays in the Amway Center. Yep. I don't think they're scheduled to be there much longer.
0: I know, uh, first of all, it was till the end of the month, but I think they did re up. They're going to be there a little bit longer. Ed, is there any timeline that you know of as far as. How long they're going to be at the Amway Center for?
1: I'm looking it up right now. I think the one deciding factor is going to be and um, uh, take me to task on this if I'm wrong, but I know the NBA is considering launching a new season soon, and that would certainly put the or take the Amway Center out of play for the WWE.
0: That's true because the you know then you're talking about the Orlando Magic coming back and needing that arena again. Uh, you know AEW has Daily Place which is right next that's that's owned by you know, everything connected with the Jaguars and the Khan family. So, you know, and there is absolutely no reason for them to leave the Dailies Place. I think it's perfect, especially being a mostly outdoor venue. Uh so that's the perfect place for AEW. AEW's got a perfect venue. And also too, in there in there they're able to get a live live some live attendance like we talked about. For full gear you had a thousand people spread out amongst that venue and and it was the first time in eight months at least here in the states where it felt like something similar to what we had before this pandemic so aew AEW is definitely in a good place but it does tell you about do, do they go back to the performance center because obviously nxt on wednesdays is from the performance center i guess they can do the thunderdome in the performance center uh, if if need be, Bully.
1: Uh, I don't I think Vince would look at that as a step backwards. I think he wanted out of that performance center in the worst way. I think the smart move would try to be to get into that amphitheater in Tampa or the amphitheater in West Palm. I mean, it right now, for what's going on with with what COVID has dealt us, Daly's place is the absolute best best place for a uh, a wrestling show to be run it's an outdoor amphitheater yep they put a thousand if they put a thousand in vince will put two thousand in florida's wide open do what you want down there they can still probably get in most of their production look at what aew has been able to do with daly's place yep so i think that if I was going to move, that's
0: I would move to one of those sheds, out one of those outdoor amphitheaters. And Mike Johnson from PW Insider says that he was told that the company's production team currently needs to clear out the venue, no later than the fifth of December, due to the Orlando Magic needing the facility as the NBA is hoping to launch their next season during that time frame. So, you know, you only have you have you know less than a month before they probably have to clear out from the Amway Center bully. Because like, as you know, with the NBA season, it's not just the weekends. It's during the week as well. So it would be tough production-wise to keep that going with that venue.
1: Now, if the if the place in Tampa or the place in West Palm or any other venue for that matter, outdoor venue for that matter, is not available, they might be forced back into the PC. But with no concerts going on, I can't see how those
0: other outdoor amphitheaters would not be available. I'm just wondering if, like, I guess it would be a case where they would just, you know, completely just take over everything with that amphitheater. Because, like you said, with these amphitheaters right now being shut down because there's nothing else going on, there's no concerts, like, at the WWE would probably have to take over that entire facility. Lots of wrestlers live in
1: Tampa, flying in and out of Tampa, very easy, just like it is Orlando. Um,
0: it would be probably a decent lateral move for the company. Uh, but going back to live events, because I always preferred, especially with the WWE, I always preferred live events over you know going to a Raw or SmackDown. It's just wall to wall wrestling. It was focused on that. There wasn't the commercial breaks you know, and everything else. I'm wondering with the WWE if if the live events, even at on the other side of the pandemic, is really in trouble. Because even before the pandemic, Bully, the, the live events were not doing well. They were not selling well. They weren't getting big attendance for the live events. Even at the Garden. And that's when you really know that the live event schedule was struggling because the one show that you could guarantee a sellout for – were those Madison Square Garden sell, so shows, over the last couple of years, they weren't even able to sell out the MSG shows. So I'm wondering, Bully, if this is a sign of the times that even when they're on the other, we're on the other side of this pandemic, if the live events might be a thing of the past. I think they
1: will slowly get back into live events I mean, think about it. If you're watching Monday Night Raw, let's say you watched last night's Monday Night Raw and you had a live event coming up in Sheboygan or Bangor or Duluth this weekend. Are you
0: going? Probably not.
1: Now, maybe in Sheboygan, Bangor, and Duluth, they might go because they're starved for entertainment in those towns. So, hey, the WWE's in town. We'll go check it out. It's something to do. But if it's New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, Detroit, L.A., maybe a different story. The live event's no doubt, are where the most fun is had by talent and by fans. I can tell you that firsthand. But live event business down. I mean, think about this, Dave. Attitude Era, WWE, 99, 2000, 2001, maybe into 2002. We never performed in less, in front of less than 20,000 people on live events. I mean, don't get me wrong. If there was a building that only held 15,000, it was sold out every single night. And then you think about the live event business now, and it's a little disheartening sometimes. Because if you're a talent and you go out there and you see the place, you know, a quarter full or half full, you're like, ah, man, is business down? And then if you're a fan and you go to the live events and you see the building only a quarter full or half full, you're like, ah, is this really the coolest thing in town? Still a lot of fun, though. You can't be... WWE live events... Actually, most wrestling companies, even when TNA was running live events, WWE live events, I'm sure once AEW starts
0: running live events, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think, like, I think because... Everyone's infatuated with the TV. They want to get themselves on TV. Not even just get themselves on TV, but it seems more important if the show that you're at is actually on TV. And I get that. But I always loved the live events. And you're right, Bully. When I look at all the years that I've been a fan, and it's no longer open, and that's the, the Meadowlands Arena, the Continental Arena, the Brendan Byrne Arena, the IZOD Center, the same building in East Rutherford, New Jersey. In the 80s... If Hogan was on the show, it was a sellout. If Hogan wasn't on the show, you got about four or five thousand. That's 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 a fact. That's the truth. Like Hogan was Hogan was the money when it came to the WWF in the 80s. If he wasn't on that show, you got a really bad crowd. Now Bully just mentioned it during the Attitude Era, and this is why I always will say that Hogan is the biggest star in the history of pro wrestling. Because if You went to an Attitude Era show at the Meadowlands and you got 20,000. If The Rock was on the show, you got 20,000. If The Rock wasn't on the show, you got 20,000. If Stone Cold was on the show, you got 20,000. If Stone Cold wasn't on the show, you got 20,000. Like the Attitude Era was so full of stars that if Stone Cold wasn't on the show, you still got a sellout. Am I right, Bully? I mean, you know better than anybody else like Uh, stone cold was on every show stone cold was like
1: Hulk back then he was on he was on top on every show and if stone cold wasn't on top Rocky was on top
0: but I'm saying if stone cold wasn't there if stone cold wasn't at a live event and you had the rock you were still getting a sellout and if the rock was there if the rock wasn't there and you had stone cold you get a sell in the 80s it was Hogan like it was Hogan and nobody else like so, if Hogan was at your live event, you're going. Uh, you know, at that time, just your arena show, you're getting a sellout. If he wasn't there, you were getting anything close to a sellout. That's why, like with live events right now, bully. If if you, there really isn't anybody that you could say. If this person's there, you're getting a sellout, and if he's not there, you're not getting – there isn't anybody that is that type of a star. The last one was truly John Cena, because if John Cena was there, you're most likely getting a sellout. If John Cena wasn't there, you weren't getting a sellout. I don't think there's – since Cena, I don't think there's any star there that's a guaranteed sell, including Brock Lesnar, by the way. Um, I've been saying this for the longest time now.
1: I've seen other – uh people out there jump on board i'm not saying i beat them to the punch but i might have beat them to the punch by actually saying it publicly when i said there will never ever ever be stars like cena rocky austin hulk trips ever again it ain't happening nobody's becoming bigger than the company anymore now you go to see the wwe I'm not buying a ticket to go see Stone Cold Steve Austin anymore. I'm not buying a ticket to go see The Rock anymore. I'm going to see the WWE. Yeah, you might buy a ticket these days because you want to go see Roman Reigns, but you want to go see the WWE. It's not Roman Reigns is in town. It's the WWE is in town. It's not like, oh, my God, I got to go see Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's I got to go see the WWE. When stars become bigger than the, the the company and the brand, they then then have control. Remember the lines in the song. It's all about the game and how you play it. It's all about control and if you can take it. The WWE is never going to let a wrestler have control over them anymore. If WWE wants Rocky or Austin or any of those names, they have to call and ask, hey, can you do something? And then it's either a yes or a no. They want, they want to be in a position in the next 10 years where, let's say, Roman is out of the ring or Seth is out of the ring or Charlotte's out of the ring where they call and just go, hey, be here on this day, no questions asked. They're breeding an entire generation of wrestler, of talent, of performer that is uh, loyal to the WWE and the WWE only. WWE will always come first. And the only competition that WWE has with talent is Hollywood. They're gonna make sure that WWE comes first, not Hollywood. And if they get and if and if you go to Hollywood, it's gonna be because they said it was okay for you to go to Hollywood. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156.
0: The Busted Open